and welcome to the second episode of the Broker Collective podcast. Joining me, as always, are Trawlerman Louis Shaw <laughs> and Jamie Boyband Lennox. How's your week been, guys? It's been okay. It's been busy. Um, very busy, actually. Um, which busy is good busy. or busy? Yeah. Busy bad. A mixture. A mixture. It's been good. I mean, a lot of a uh, lot of new inquiries coming through. Uh, so a fast start to the year, to be honest. I think Jamie's had the same. So yeah, decent. But um, same old issues generally. But it's been okay. What about you, Jamie? Jamie? How do you yeah. found things? Yeah, pretty much echoing from last episode. It's been a, again another busy week. Lots of leads coming in from new stuff which is completely out of the woods it's not you know it's not existing clients coming back it is brand new customers which is good to see um what i am finding though is a lack of ability to send the correct documents so i'm doing a lot more chasing on the stuff that's coming in um where just documents are missing so i've got loads of, i've got six cases to go in just missing one or two documents just where they've missed stuff off or haven't followed instructions on there as well but it is what it is but yeah good good and busy which is key thing 2024 2024 same problems as all the other years getting documents right i know lewis's bugbear is sending stuff in different formats and everything uh, like that isn't it lewis it is i'm the king of pdf i just king of I, pdf yeah i just I, well so I'll, I'll i'll give you this one so i've already told jamie about this I had a guy who was before Christmas, um, and I said, I, you know, I need some pay slips and documents. And to be fair, there's the CRM that I use is very straightforward to use. It's a very good CRM. I'll give a shout out to Acre. Um, uh, <clears throat> so I, I said, yeah, upload your pay slips. And because Acre makes it very easy, you can take photos and directly stick them in the, in the client portal in, in the document store. And he logged onto a laptop and took a photo of the laptop screen of his paste <laughs> rather than downloading it and uploading it. So he got a phone and a laptop at home and took a photo of the of the screen. <laughs> it's <laughs> it baffles me sometimes. They walk among us, I think, you know. The joys, the joys, the joys of PDF. Okay, we have got a patch show for you today, and we've got a number of topics that uh, we are going to be covering and using my fantastic technological skills. We are going to start off with market data. Inflation numbers came out a couple of days ago and we were heading in the wrong direction. Well, we are heading in the wrong direction. Uh, inflation, CPI inflation ticked up slightly and we have had the first increase, I think, since February 2023. Jamie, what do you make of the uh, revised inflation figures and what impact uh, do you think that's going to have on our day job? Well, naturally, we saw swap rates bounce quite quickly off the back of this. Um, markets didn't like it, uh, which is quite apparent. Now, realistically thinking about it, they're, they're putting their main arguments around inflation in December is around alcohol and tobacco, is my understanding from what I looked at it. And... It's on the lead up to Christmas. So there's going to be a, an influx of them products being bought in that period of time, which, which likely seen this uptick on there as well. But we're now, everyone's in dry, dry January now, and everyone's going to give up smoking. So whether actually these inflationary costs are going to come down just as quickly as they went up, which propped it up, um, I'm probably not too concerned about outticks. I think it will still keep coming down the next lot of print. Um, swap markets just kind of settled down a little bit today as well after probably a bit of overarching over such a small increase but it just it reminds people though that we aren't out of the woods just yet and i think this is the real point to take away from it is we can't control the inflation but we definitely aren't out of the woods and people just need to be mindful of that things may look promising but it can quickly go the other way um so just don't don't just assume just make sure you get the right advice at the right time at the moment i think still lewis yeah i mean uh it never comes down in a straight line, does it? Um, apparently, that's the that's the, uh, that stuff the that I've been hearing. The down. government minister yeah. said that on the Sky News. I'd uh, chuckled to myself. He said it about three or four times. So yeah, but it, I mean, to be fair, it doesn't. So 
if it sticks around where we are now, is that such a bad thing? I mean, the 2% target is, is, is arbitrary, isn't it? It's just an arbitrary target set by um, uh, the, the government to target the BOE at that. So um, it's actually quite nice if uh, to have a bit of stability in the mortgage market. I mean, it's great for people, you know, that they're coming up to remove, uh, renew the mortgage or whatever it might be, but it's quite nice to have a bit of stability for a period of time because last year it was just constantly going up and then for the last kind of few months it's been constantly coming down. Um, in all honesty, it's, boys, it's, it's almost, what, three months? In three months' time, it'll be four years since COVID started. Um, that seems like a blink of an eye away. And in that four years, <laughs> I think I've aged about 20. <laughs> you and so the if swaps stay, if, you if swaps stay where they are, then, then that's cool with me. Excellent, yeah. I think the people... It's so easy to get caught into the whole trap of this little piece of data comes out it's literally like the day before we had the wage data come out and that was heading in the right direction then we have inflation not only not going down but actually going up and then that balancing it out and then everyone's taking bets on when the first bank of england base rate uh, decrease is going to be and how many we're going to have in 2024 i think the most we had was down to six i think it's down to maybe three or four now with where we are i think it is key to remember that although these pinpoints can you know give you an indication of what may happen in the future nothing is guaranteed and that's the one thing that we learned from that's the one thing that we learned from 2023. And I think the lenders are going to be having a very keen eye on the economic data as well coming out going forward. So is there anything else that we want to conclude on market data and what we're seeing? I know the, the retail uh, data's come out and that's showing it's quite weak. So are we heading towards a recession? Well, in, term, in terms of market data, I will just mention this. So I don't know if brokers are aware, but... On Chatham Financial, where we all jump on to have a look at Sony swaps and all that kind of jazz, you can actually sign up for a free account and get more granular data. Um, and on the Sonia uh, piece, when you're actually logged in, you can see the forward curves. So I don't know if that might be useful for people in terms of when they talk to clients or whatever it might be. I'm, I'm not suggesting we should start getting into macroeconomics with people, but, you know, it's just a, a useful thing. It's a free account. You might as well take advantage of it. Um, so that's all I'd add in terms of market data. Jamie, do brokers need to have an in-depth knowledge on economics and macroeconomics and trends? What do you think? I think there's a clients are naturally going to lean on our expertise on where we think things are going. And, and actually, it's quite dangerous if we get caught up in this as well, because the CMAP qualification does not cover that realms of being an expert in this field. Um, everyone's got an opinion. It may not materialize. It may not happen. It's just estimations. And then the best people in the world don't always get it right at the end of the day. So I think some brokers will fall into a trap at the moment in time and saying, fix for two years. Because I think too, I, I saw a conversation the other day from someone saying, there's a broker saying, we're only fixing for two years because rates, rates will come down. And if that's the advice they've got, and if that doesn't happen, the broker's next on the line for, for saying it at the end of the day. So, and they, the customers base their advice around that. Whereas People need to strip out what's going on with the economy, what's going on with rates, oh, and folks yeah. and the customer in front of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Jesus. Right. Uh, <laughs> just testing them out. Testing them soundtracks out. Jesus Christ, man. I have started downloading a few soundtracks that I'm going to add in to liven things up. So I didn't think that was going to go on for that long. So That's apologies quite a long if you're one. listening. We are, still we are still getting to grips with this uh, software. CMAP didn't teach us how to use uh, uh, streaming Check. software. So apologies for that. Sorry, Jamie. That's Maybe I should take control. I apologize. Sorry, Jamie. That's fine. So I think the, the other avenue is, yeah, just we need to be sticking to the client in front of us, their needs. So the advice needs to be around career progressions, pay rises, debts being paid off, starting a family, moving homes. Focus on that. Strip away the what's going on in the economy because we can't control it. Because as well, we've got an election around the corner as well. Um, that's going to have another impact that could have a big big sway on rates as well so it's impossible to guess where they're going to go we can have an inkling but we can't be saying that's the client at the end of the day i would i would actually say something on this so of course it's a it's a it's a, a um a common conversation isn't it a lot of people say i want to fix for two years because i think rates are going to come down 
my response to this, and I don't know if any other brokers would be interesting to find out in the comments when you post this, if any other brokers are doing this. I generally work on a budget. If any other brokers of, are listening. Well, yeah, exactly. So um, I generally tend to work on a budget. So, you know, we'll kind of nail that. Okay, how much can you sustainably um, afford to contribute to your mortgage payment per month? And so, for example, I've been looking at this, and when I, when, when I talk to clients, um, and I had this conversation a couple of days ago where they said, well, we want to spend, I think it was £1,400 a month, and we want a two-year deal. Um, and I was that with the rates where, the, where they were, it was like 35 years. I said, well, if you could afford £1,400 a month, let's just have a look at the difference between a five-year deal. Um, and what I did is, well, if you could afford 1400 on a two, you could afford 1400 on a five. But actually, Mr. Customer, look what happens. I can knock four years off your mortgage term. Um, so you're going to have a 31-year mortgage as opposed to a 35-year mortgage. Now, in terms of interest rates, no amount of interest rate um, fuckery, I suppose, is going to make up four years of not paying a mortgage. So I think that's an interesting conversation to have with clients. And that's the one I have with clients in terms of we want a two-year. Okay, but let's just have a look at a five because they are going to be cheaper at the moment. And let's see how much we can knock off your mortgage. Because actually, in the long term, interest rates, they're leaving themselves out, you know. Um, but actually, if we can save two, three, four, five years in some circumstances off the term of the mortgage, surely that's a better, that's a, I would say that that's maybe not the best advice, but I think it's better advice because you're actually having that conversation. And it can and, and it can put a different slant on it on things. I don't know what you think about that. I'm gonna open my kind of beer. I think I think you go for it. I think rates uh, will go up, they'll okay. go down, they'll go left and they'll right. The price you buy a property, if you are buying a property, is really the one thing that you can determine. And that's gonna lead me on to my second question. What are our outlook for house prices going through to twenty twenty four? Been very resilient in the last year, especially with the hike in rates, where do we see things going this year? Jamie? I'm not going to go to the extreme lengths and say there's the, the 20, 30% reductions, which uh, some people claim, but it's there's got to be some bigger reductions this year, I think. it's gonna The trend of downward trajectory on house prices will continue. The mortgage charter protected a lot of people during 2023 people go on interest only for six months the repossessions uh, order was delayed i think for 12 months so there's a lot of people that's been protected by for sales so far because of the protections that's been put around of them and a lot of people haven't rolled on to these high rates so there's gonna be more and more people now that will be going actually we can't afford this mortgage or we thought we could afford it and fixed in, but now I've maxed my credit card up trying to sustain my lifestyle. It's no longer viable and we need to sell. So I think we'll still see a downward trajectory, whether it's, uh, I just, you know, I don't think it's going to be a huge amount downwards, but it could be another 5% down this year. Um, but it, it only takes an extra government incentive later on this year when they do the budget and say, stamp duty holidays again. And if and if then the base rate does start to come down a bit further, it could go the other way. And and that and that's the thing. It's gonna it could change on a, a sixpence at the end of the day. Lewis. I I would urge every broker that watches this, uh, all all three of them, which is us three. Um, <laughs> um I would urge everyone to jump onto YouTube and go and follow a guy called Gary Stevenson. He was a trader at Citibank uh, in the financial crisis. And he retired very young as a millionaire because he got things right. Uh, he's one of, he's, he ended up being the most profitable um, trader for Citibank. <clears throat> and I follow his videos, I follow him on Twitter. Um, I'm actually going to one of his, I'm going to an event uh, for his book launch. I'm gonna try and you know creep around uh, and be his best friend. So basically uh, stalking him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, you know, Joel Goldberg vibes. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think he'd take care of me in the bedroom. Is that? It's very. It seems very gentle. Anyway, um, <laughs> but he seems to think, and I believe him and trust him, that house prices will actually rise. Um, there's a whole macroeconomic backstory that he gives, and it makes sense. And he was one of very few people right at the start of COVID, when everyone was saying you know, house prices are going to crash. I can remember talking to a BDM at the time and he was saying, yeah, we, we've estimated that prices are going to come down by 15 to 17% because of COVID. He was one of the very few people right at the start 
said, we're going to see a massive inflationary crisis. We're going to see huge increase in house prices. So he does have a track record of consistently being right. And his prediction is that we're going to see house prices increase. Um, so I'd urge uh, everyone to go and follow him and watch some of his videos on YouTube. Because I think it's very instructive. That's my piece. I think you so, in a very good thing. What we should do uh, in future, and uh, Phil did this uh, with regards to on Yardstick Marketing, he was asking for all the best podcasts that people should listen to or uh, YouTube videos, and he's compiled a list of financial advisors because obviously I, I identify as a financial advisor as well. Uh, I think we should do something similar going forward. All these resources that we're always talking about and these videos and these people that we're following and we discuss amongst ourselves, we should compile something going forward. Jamie, that's the job for you. Add to the list. <laughs> All right, let's so move. I think, Go on, sorry. I was saying, so if for anyone that does want to follow Gary, on Twitter, he's at Gary's Economics. On YouTube, it's Gary's Economics. Um, Go and have a watch. Or just Might follow well. Lewis, because Lewis will be following him as well. I'll be following him, yeah, you, so can get you, his, you... you can get Gary Stevenson's book's affiliate link in uh, Lewis's uh, website. <laughs> Everyone should buy his book. It's called Trading Game. <laughs> Boom. All right, let's move on to our next topic of conversation. And we are now going to be talking about... Watch for the change of graphics. Product withdrawals. That was my voice. That wasn't even any uh, tech or anything there. So really? lender product withdrawals. I'm not going to name the lender. I'll leave someone else to do that. But it sounds Lewis. like if a shortened version of somebody who had a company, what you'd call it. And if you had an operation, you might say I've had a... Well, let's talk about product withdrawals now. And the issue that has occurred where somebody has potentially come out of the blocks very quickly, very eagerly, and potentially not able to handle the influx of business that they will have. I'm going to come each, into each of you uh, in a minute just to have uh, your thoughts on this topic. But one thing I do want to do, and I want to play devil's advocate here, a lot of people are going to talk negatively and say that if a lender comes up with a deal, they should be able to handle it. And I fully appreciate that. We've all been on the phone for hours or trying to get onto live chats or get into systems and had queuing systems, etc., etc. I get that. But to those people who did manage to get to those deals in that small tranche that did come out, haven't they had a win? So... If the alternative is a lender not bringing out some ambitious, I'm going to say ambitious rates, should they, is that necessarily a bad thing if they have done that? And I'm going to come to you first, Jamie, uh, to take your thoughts on that topic. Ultimately, the, the customer needs to be at the forefront uh, and they've had an opportunity to grab some stellar deals across most loan to values. Um, which is going to be a huge benefit to them. A lot of people have saved money at the end of the day. The issue is more from a broker's perspective at the end of the day. And, you know, we've backed the 24-hour pledge back in the summer. Um, and there's been little to no regard to that with these withdrawals on there as well. But I think there's got to be a better way of handling things from a broker's perspective and a client journey perspective. So, yes, the rate is great. But is the customer now in for hell for the experience of actually getting the mortgage offer? You know, how's the, how's the process going to be? How long is it going to take to actually get the deal agreed? Because there'll be people that go in, you know, could be due to renew in January or the end of January, early February. And they thought, I oh, will jump out of our current deal. We'll cancel that previous application I've already done in. I'll grab this deal now. And if they're snowed under and taking days, weeks, extra number of weeks actually get to a mortgage offer on there as well they could have outdone their savings um by trying to change lender because they're stuck on the svr waiting for this mortgage offer to be issued on there as well so that's my concern is the blowback off it it's not that they've come out with a fantastic product which was phenomenal and well above where it should you know a lot lower than where it should have really been based on where the market was at but i think it's now going to be the issues which we'll see in the weeks uh, to come off the back of it to get stuff under underwritten. So just to put it into context, the 24-hour pledge 
was something that we all banded together and with the support of the broker community we got some real traction over summer last year when lenders were withdrawing rates with little to no notice uh, yes the background of the market was very volatile at that particular period of time but i hadn't seen anything like it and i know that you guys uh, hadn't seen anything like it neither and we were campaigning to try and get lenders to actually try and give us a bit more notice do you think jamie just continuing your point that lenders have heeded what the community and the broker community really got together i was amazed how everyone banded together and really tried to you know highlight to the lenders that this was an issue do you think anything's been learned from that i think certain lenders certainly have so we've got like gen h um they've had to adjust some of their products um this week and they've given I think it's to this weekend to get applications submitted. So I think there's, you know, certainly some lenders are really taking this on board, especially the challenger brands, because they're thinking, actually, here's a chance to win some kind of accolades with broke the broker community and put us on the map a little bit of why they should use us over, you know, the, the safe lenders of what they're used to using. You got the other extremes with some big lenders that ultimately don't don't really care. Um, they're big enough that they don't, don't really need brokers and they can do as they please at the end of the day. So there's always going to be, you know, I think we've made movements. I think there was ripples made a few, uh, probably heated conversations from probably certain departments and certain lenders as well off the back of the push of it all. Um, but ultimately it comes down to the consumer, uh, and just making sure that it's the best thing for them at the end of the day. And I think that's the thing that lenders just need to remember is there is someone there and you plan for motions when finance are at stake. So I think I think there's more, although it was quite short notice, you could sense it was coming with uh, the product that's been withdrawn over the last week. You knew it wasn't going to be there for long. The urgency was to get stuff in as quickly as possible. Whereas I think the, the summer was a lot worse because you had every lender pull in products. So you could be going, X lender is the best rate, right? Let's get this in. Oh no, that's now gone. Right, next lender. Oh no, that's now going to be gone as well. So you're constantly chasing your tail. If you've got one or two lenders repriced, and that's just that is just life as a broker at the end of the day. You can handle it. But um, yeah, I think more more can be done in the long run. Accolades for putting ourselves on the on the line to take more applications on. Great, really, you know, good move. But I do fear for some of these applications that are in, how long it's going to take and whether some of these clients are probably going to need a funeral plan to go alongside the mortgage off of how long it's going to take to get it um, as well. So it it could be interesting. I think that'll be an interesting one on the next um, podcast because I know Lewis has got a couple of applications in with them just to see how they actually pan out and if they can get them through quickly or if they're just still stuck in the pipeline of nothing really happening. So Lewis, I'm going to bring you in now and I'm just going to say... Be kind, Lewis. Okay. So this time last week, um, I was scrambling about trying to get deals submitted to the lender in question co-op um, when they decided that they were, you know, relatively short notice going to remove their products, which is their, you know, that's, that's their prerogative and that's cool. Um, but my beef wasn't that they withdrew the products. I don't mind that. Like Jamie said, you know, lenders can do that. That's up to them. That's their, you know, their funding lines, all the rest of it. That's, that's cool. You know, that's, that is just life as a broker. We have to live with that. That's fine. My ire <laughs> came from the system not being able to cope with the volume that clearly was going in over those couple of hours. Um, and so my issue, I suppose, is that if you're going to launch significantly cheaper products than the rest of the market, and we, I mean, we're talking a big difference, we were talking a big difference, where even at 90% LTV, we were talking a half percent. Now, it, it, was a, it was an enormous difference between where everyone else was and where they put themselves. Um, and, you know, if you're going to put your head above the parapet that far, you're going to get shot. <laughs> um, and... The issue was that if, you've, if you're going to come out with market-leading products and you've got a new system, the system needs to be able to cope with the demand. And that was, and it's the frustration of, of, you know, it took me two and a half hours to submit two applications because I kept being kicked out, logged out, 
you know, crashing, all the rest of it. So something that would ordinarily take me 20 minutes took two and a half hours. And it was the frustration of not being able to get a deal submitted when you've got all the documents, you're good to go, you've given the advice, you've, you've provided the recommendation, you've done everything you need to do. And then the actual doing bit, which should take no time at all, you know, I'm kind of sat there still kind of refresh, refresh, refresh at like 10 to 5. I got it in at like 16.57 or something. Um, and that was my that was my gripe. Not that they were pulling rates. That's cool. They can do that, you know. They did obviously go a little bit too sharp on their margins in terms of where they put themselves. But the problem is, is that, let's be honest, there's a bit of a track record for this. And, and that's, that's, again, something that perhaps there's no point not feeding it back, is there? I don't understand why you'd come out, smash it out of the park for like a week, get hundreds of applications in that you probably can't cope with. Like Jamie said, I mean, we, I couldn't even package the case. So I submitted on Friday. But we got said it kicked out and the um, system was a bit knackered. Uh, then they did some maintenance. So I couldn't even package the cases. Um, and so... You know, in terms of, let's be honest, we, we've seen them do this before. You know, why not just do what every other lender does and sit in the mix? Like, that, that was my gripe, to be honest. I don't think it'll be the first time that we have this situation. I think that we're going to see this a lot more going forward, where lenders come out uh, wanting to price aggressively and then the business levels exceed their expectations or they get caught short or like last year you know before they know it they've blinked and they're standing out a country mile on the sourcing systems but that comes off the back of market volatility if the markets are calmer then there shouldn't be as much issue so like we said before i think we're not out of the woods yet i think if rates do continue to go in a downward trajectory then happy days it shouldn't be as much of an issue what do we think about lenders and we're going to come to another point here lenders when you've got the offer in and they reprice downwards in my perfect world and some would argue that this would may negate the need of a broker in some instances if a lender offers at rate x and then they pull down that rate on a two-year fixed at the same LTV, should the lender automatically reprice downwards, whether you go direct to them or whether you go through the broker channel? What do you think, Jamie? Ultimately, you know, I from a broker's from my point of view as a broker, I would love that because it would save loads of time. But I live in the real world and ultimately banks, building societies are businesses. It's like if we go to a shop, it's like you buy a product at full asking price you know 50 quid and then a week later it's then 40 quid should you then be able to go and go take it back rebuy at 40 pounds it's you've bought in at that price at the end of the day there is a luxury that you can go and redo it again the other issue as well is the product dates changing so although you could have a two-year fixed rate it's generally for most lenders with the exception of someone like nationwide it's two years and three months it's running for so if you applied six months early you end up with slightly less than two years but then the actual end date of that mortgage product could change in that six years you change the product multiple times so if there's a a need for i need to be moving by a certain day and you tied that product date, yeah. in on there as well there is the risk that that's the vice is actually being changed because actually they could end up with six months more on that mortgage offer than they potentially had hoped for at the time of applying if everyone took the same approach such as say nationwide and you get 24 36 60 months from the month you the mortgage completes on that's a little bit different there could be an argument of things should automatically drip down into a cheaper rate and that would be more easier to facilitate on there as well um so it would be nice to have do i think it's going to happen probably not because they're businesses i think for brokers they, they charge get... a nominal fee for doing that because over a 24 or a 60 month period you know a 20 or 30 basis point drop on you know a decent size loan is going to be quite big isn't it and the, the end of the day there's nothing stopping us from contacting the lender and doing it if they went to the lender directly they probably wouldn't maybe even never be contacted and told that that's the situation so you know they could charge a fee couldn't they to to take into 
count their re-administration to re-offering something. I understand also there's a hedging issue here potentially as well. I, I don't I don't necessarily think it's just purely about um about the actual products at the moment. Uh, I was trying to forgot what I was gonna say then. Um I don't really think it's just purely around hedging the bets on where it's gonna go and you know buying at a certain price point because if we really think about this actually there's going to be I, i've lost my, i lost my trailer thought which is unlike me um uh sorry my wife just at the window just waving at me so i think hence why i've lost my trailer thought Everybody Reece, you just want to ask ask, ask me that again mate maybe crop that so, out <laughs> Lewis, you so jump I, 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 yeah so I, i'm not even i don't think that lenders sh- well they won't do that automatically i don't think and nor should they it's not at the end of the day Lenders are there to make a profit. They're not. They're not a public institution. It's not a charity. Um, and if I apply for a mortgage and they say that's your rate, then that's your rate. I mean, I think we get. <clears throat> they, you know, there's only so much they can do. There's only so much they can do. And it, it is incumbent upon us to maybe um, allow them that 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 leeway. You know, I. Not to mention, I, I spoke to a chap a few days back and he'd been told by a BDM of a, a buy-to-let lender that on one day they had 10,000 10, PT cancellations in a day. Um, wow. Now, think of all that ad, ad, additional administrative work that those, that that's, that, you know, that would have to, uh, had to be done by that lender. Um, all that money that had been maybe hedged at one price and was, you know, um, I, I think we, we need to be careful with this because if, I mean, if, if lenders turn around tomorrow and go, look, we're not having this anymore. You've made your application. That's your offer. And we're not going to change it. Um, you know, because it, it could, it could go, you know, the old law of unintended consequences. If people, if this becomes too much of an issue, they could just stop it. I mean, I know of, um, uh, a conveyancer where they're on something like the sixth mortgage offer and they've now started charging. So they, they did the first three for free in terms of the, the updated reports and all that kind of stuff. And on the fourth, fifth and sixth, they've charged an nominal fee of £100 each, so £199 each time. Um, because <clears throat> customers, understandably, will want the very best deal. Of course they do. But they have to appreciate that it's not quite as simple depending on the lender as a click of a button um i mean what do, i do, mean doing, could, a mortgage, doing a mortgage isn't as simple as clicking a button well yeah quite but also do you live in it's easy client client comes and tells us what they want we click a button and the mortgage is done job done yeah, yeah. but also there's this whole thing of i mean are, are we making customers aware that actually with some lenders it may rescore them so there is a there is a downside that you know, I, I've, I spoke to a guy, um, it was a few weeks back, where that very thing happened. They, they were at mortgage offer. The customer wanted to go for a cheaper deal. It was about 0.2% difference. Um, and, they, and the broker did say to them, look, in order to do this, they will rescore you. And, and if anything's changed in your um, credit profile and all the rest of it, they may well, uh, it may well decline. Uh, it was a high LTV application, and it did decline. Um, and then as a consequence... That customer then no longer met that lender's policy. They then had to rush around get a new deal, which was more expensive than the original deal. Um, so, you know, there's a downside to, to this. Um, so I think we have to be careful what we wish for. So the reason that we're doing that, uh, that I'm asking that question, is obviously in 2024, the deals that have come out, some of them seem to have been lower than the ones that were secured uh, in 2023 in some cases mm. that moves me beautifully this the way i segmented from one way to the other that moves me beautifully in the next section do we think lenders are done with the bulk of their rate cuts for now i'm not talking about 10 15 bips uh here or there even upwards or downwards i'm talking about some of the steeper discounts that came out with some of the lenders uh in the first couple of weeks of this month are they done yes there we are <laughs> that's there we me go. bang money <laughs> jamie keep it brief yeah 
it's definitely gonna be <laughs> man a few words. Um, I definitely think for the time being, we're certainly done. We saw some really big reductions to start this year off the back of swaps dropping quite heavily in the end of December and into the start of the year. I think now we've kind of found our level for some period of time. I f- personally may not happen as this way, but I think until we see a base rate reduction, I think this is kind of the price point we will settle at for some time until the first move from the Bank of England's made. And then we may start to see some more sizable stuff going the other way. I think in the interim period, you're just going to see people pricing for margin and pricing for being the top of the pile for a certain period of time when they want the business. And it'll be some headline rates, but, you know, instead of reducing 30 basis points, but it'll be at one product and the rest of them are at 0.05. So I think it's going to be, you know, minuscule pricing, but nothing dramatic in the, in the interim until the base rate has started to come down. I think that's the, we need something strong to come out or for swaps to go in a, a you know, certain direction. I think for lenders to try and balance that service element, which we're going to start hearing about, we're trying to balance the service, uh, keep the service standards to where they need to be. And just to really see, see what's happened. What's happened. Whose is that? Who's I'm getting that? feedback. No, that's Lewis. It's probably Lewis. Lewis. Just come off the trawler boat and now he's freaking messing with the tech. Yeah, so I think it's the lenders are going to wait and see what happens until some decent uh, data comes down or there's a lot more confidence within the market and they'll balance that off with service. So, from my point of view, I think the rates are the rates as they are at the moment, but let's see what happens going forward. I was going to talk about conditional selling, but I am now going to quickly jump to our next topic, which is the budget and the election, because I think the budget is going to probably be something that is really going to shape uh, maybe uh, a kickstart to the housing market if there are SDLT stamp duty uh, land tax incentives in the budget. Now, just keeping apolitical as we are, and uh, obviously showing no favouritism to anything, but when the current administration uh, leave and the new administration come in, what do you think is going to happen and the outlook is going to be for the budget and the later election that we have this year? Lewis, what do you think? Um I don't think there'll be a huge difference in all, in all honesty. I think the the structural problems we've got can't be fixed overnight. There's no silver bullet. Definitely no silver bullet. Um, Lewis, is there I a think, silver think, bullet? No. Okay. Just to be clear. Um, I, I think the, the kind of overarching um, drivers of, of um, house prices and all that kind of stuff, they're, they're too big for... Um, I think any individual political party to wield without some serious, you know, some some huge interventions, um, which they're not going to want to do um, because they get tarred with this, the same old brush. Um, so I, I don't think there's going to be a huge change. Um, I'm quite pessimistic about this, <clears throat> and I wish I wasn't because I'd rather it was the opposite. Um, but I think we'll see home ownership rates continue to reduce. Um, I think we'll see house prices continue to be out of reach of, of, of a lot of people. Um, and I don't think there is the political will to do anything about it, because in order to do something about it, you'd have to do something that was so unpopular for so many people, <clears throat> it would just be politically toxic. Um, so I don't envisage that changing. Jamie, do you think one suggestion from Labour about longer term fixed rates. Do you think that will smooth out and that could sort out the issues that we have in the housing market? I I think they're looking for something that's potentially not there personally. I think uh, as a you know as a country, we, we're not geared up for long term fix like America is, like the rest of Europe is. Um, you know, I was speaking, I used to work with this chap who was from France and he talked, he used to say they buy a home and they stay there forever, but they just, they just extend it. They make it bigger. Whereas as a country, we'd love to move house quite regularly. So it needs to be a product that has that air of flexibility if they do bring it in. But I think you said this on a podcast there in the week, Riz, is 
the argument for long-term fixed was back in 2021 when rates were ultra low. While rates are high, no one wants to fix in that this price point any longer than they really have to. So I think this, I don't, I don't see it being a solution at the end of the day. And I know some lens talking about enhanced affordability with longer term fixed rates. Affordability is already stretched in the best part of high interest rates. I don't see it solving it, solving any real problems other than long term financial distress for people. I've got, I've got a real beef with these long term fixed rates. <clears throat> in fact, do, you know, do you know what I've got beef with, Lewis? Your tech. Can you please invest in some headphones and a microphone? Me and Jamie might have a whip round and get some. Yeah. Well, do that. It's because it's I'm, I'm from the north. I'm poor. So, well, I was, I was actually going to gonna go into the office today, but when I woke up, I just couldn't be asked. <laughs> so, so I would have done that. But um, no, I have a beef with, um, with these long-term fixed rates. Simply because America's in the grip of a huge housing crisis. They've had long-term fixed rates for donkey's years. Canada's in a massive um, inflationary housing crisis. They have long-term fixed rates. We can see, so I actually went and did a bit of digging on this. In fact, I've got a list. Let me grab, grab my phone. Um, Was I've Gary Stevenson with you while you were doing this digging? Yeah. <laughs> um, so where was it? Where was it? Where was it? Uh, let's have a look on here. Let's yeah, so I, 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 before Lewis finds his data. <clears throat> no, it shouldn't take that long. Back of a fact um, packet. Where's it gone? Can't find it now. Written on the back. So basically, the th there was th there's a ton of countries that were all very divergent in terms of um, their economies and all the rest of it. So we, on that list, there was like Luxembourg, Turkey, France, Germany, the US, Canada. Um, what was the other one? Was not one. Oh, the Netherlands, Germany. They've all got problems with housing. Um, most of them have long-term fixed-rate mortgages. If that's the answer, why is it not fixed it over there? Moreover, on top of that, the lender that's out there now and kind of going, oh, we can do six times income. If you introduce more credit into the system without more real resources, without more houses being built, you're only going to push house prices up further out of reach of people. So it doesn't say, what frustrates me is they say it's you know, going to solve the problem. It won't. It will actually make it worse. Because if we'll people be can borrow more, they will borrow more. Well, solving the UK's housing crisis, I think, is going to be one of the topics for our next podcast. I think that... I, th I, th I think... I don't think anyone's got the magic answer. I think a lot of stuff is going to be thrown out during this budget coming up in a few weeks' time. If an SDLT holiday is a good thing or a bad thing, I'm going to defer on that. But to get the market moving, and no one's going to win any elections if there's feel-good factor isn't in people's homes. And if they don't feel that their house is... Uh, they've got the ability to move house or their house prices are steady or they're going uh, up in value. I don't think anyone's going to win any elections in the UK. So I think everything will be chucked out in the uh, budget. I think that will be their last foray, really, that they can do something. And if George Osborne was right and that date in, I think, mid-November is when we do have the election, they really need to get it going now. I think people who were moving will benefit, especially if there is an SDLT holiday, but I thought that that was going to be done before Christmas and it wasn't. So I don't think there is any magic pill. All I think we do in this country is just move things slightly up the hill for it to later roll down the other side twice as fast. But there we go. We're going to stay apolitical. And that's going to move us very uh, interestingly on to our final topic of today's podcast, and that is conditional selling. Now, before we all start sharing our tales of uh, clients being told that they have to speak to an in-house mortgage advisor if they want their deals to be presented, I do want to caveat that not all uh, people and all agents and agencies uh, operate in this way. It's only the case that the ones that don't and uh, who do uh, sometimes fall foul and sometimes it is the big players in the market uh, do that. So before we do anything, I don't want to say anyone say that we're bashing estate agents or anything like, like that. But what's 
what's been your experience recently, Lewis, in terms of conditional selling, or what have you heard of? Um, <clears throat> so recently, um, a client of mine um, made an offer on a property. It's still being negotiated. I spoke to him last night, actually. Uh, so he made an offer on a property, and straight away, um, you've got to come in and do this, you've got to come in and do that, you've got to come in and do the other. And he rang me. Um, it's a first-time buyer, confused. He said, what's all this about? He said, uh, he said uh, why do I need to do all this? I said, you, well, the reality is that you don't. Um, <clears throat> and I tweeted about it. And it's surprising now what the, what the, the power of a tweet, because I tweeted about it. Um, a couple of journalists picked it up and went straight to the company in question and asked them for comment. And lo and behold, he now doesn't have to do it. Isn't that odd? That's Isn't really that odd? surprising. But Lewis, I keep on hearing the same, uh, same culprits over and over again, and they always put it down to a training issue. Apart from us communicating this with clients, and it's easy for us to say, look, if you do go in there, you may be asked to prove evidence of your financing. They may offer to speak to the in-house advisor, but it's your prerogative whether you do that. If somebody goes and sees that dream home and, you know, people tell them, well, if you, there's two people interested and, you know, if you don't speak to our guys, we can't control it and, you know, it's not going to put you in the best way. How do we solve this problem? Um, we can't. Whilst ever, whilst ever financial services are located within a state agency, you can't remove the risk of that happening. You can have every you can have every training course under the sun. You can say that it's not going to happen and all the rest of it. But when people are targeted to book FS appointments, and when they're selling one product, as in the only product that you want it's too easy to fall into that trap. So I cannot foresee a time where this doesn't happen. Now, it's a shame because as you rightly say, it's not everyone. There are some great agents out there that have in-house brokers. There are some great agents out there that have good relationships with, with, um, with brokers and will pass on details and, and all the rest of it if that person risks what you're doing. If that person wants to, to speak to someone, that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with asking the question. Of course there's not, you know. Um, but there's an obvious conflict of interest when it's in-house. There's an obvious risk of conditional selling because you're, you've got the one asset that they want to buy. It's not a free market, is it? It's not you can't walk down the shop. You can't walk down the road and get it from another shop. Um, so so um I don't foresee that this will ever stop unless agencies divorce from financial services. <clears throat> because clearly, the companies that do engage in it have had long enough to be able to self-regulate. It's clear that they can't. Jamie, how do we solve this? I kind of have to echo what Lewis said around that, because while there is that direct link between state agency and FS when owned by the same people, there's that financial incentive and there's that push for that. And there is some of these estate agencies that are lost leading and just kept afloat by the FS side of things as well. So there is that real risk that there is a, a very big carrot dangling there to get people on bums on seats in front of their advisor. And, and when we have these often news articles around the big, um, the big estate agents that say, oh, it's either an isolated incident or, brokers are currently just hammering us because we're such a big player in the game that's not really the case because when you think that most brokers are generally cheaper than some of these big corporate agents on the on the fee we've got bigger lender panels and we've got more um, insurance providers on there as well so the proposition across the board of the vast majority of brokers that are independent is far superior than they're offering on there as well so i think this is another reason why they have to push so much because their offering on paper isn't fantastic. Um, and there has to be kind of guerrilla tactics to get people in front of their advisor. Otherwise, they don't do business. Do we need to do more to educate uh, clients and first time buyers and say, look, this might be the situation when this when they're being told that it's an affordability thing to see if you can do it? The way that it can be structured can very easily convey that message to them, can't it? 
and as a first-time buyer and like you've seen this property and it's your dream home and it's your inverted commas forever home if mate if i had a pound for every time i've heard of forever home uh, how how do we is it an educational piece do we need to band together and push the word out it falls um, very much i'll get lushing go first i went last last time out so i think it is an educational piece but how bad is it that we have to educate clients to say just be aware i'm just going to tell you about this it's illegal it's not it's, it, it is banned it's not you know it is against the law in terms of trading standards and all the rest of it but i need to educate you because you are going to come across this behavior in our in our marketplace how mental is it that that we're even having this conversation into we need to educate clients that they're going to find this i mean everyone knows this happens <clears throat> everyone knows it happens um so yes of course we do need to educate people about it but ultimately it comes down to if you've got bad actors unless you've got someone that can stand over them with a big stick and say if you do that again i'm going to hit you with it they'll keep doing it and there is until agency is regulated in some way um in the same way that we are it will continue i mean think of this it's crazy isn't it so we're regulated by the fca the conveyances are regulated by the solicitors regulation authority the sra surveyors are regulated by rick's the royal institute of child surveyors and yet the person selling the asset nothing at all how is it that everyone else in the transaction has to be regulated to within an inch of their life and professionally qualified and all the rest of it but the, the people selling the asset doesn't matter that just seems to me so bizarre i completely agree and i don't think this issue is going to go away but like i said before this doesn't apply to all agents and agencies no. this is a small number of uh, people who spoil it for everybody else but i know a lot of brokers when it does happen call it out and you know publicize it and if we just keep on doing that then hopefully something will change i think guys that brings us to the end of the second second we've made it to number two episode of the broker collective podcast uh with myself uh, jamie and Trawlerman lewis if you have any topics that you would like us to cover, we have these podcasts every fortnight, then please contact us and drop us a message in the socials and we will cover it. Uh, we're going to start, I think, in the a few episodes time having guest speakers along as well. So if there's anyone or anybody you particularly would like to hear from or uh, if there's a something or a trend that you think that we should get an expert in to discuss, then please let us know. So for today's episode, thank you very much, Jamie and Lewis, as always. And we will catch you on the next episode. Take care, guys. See you later, guys. Bye, bye, bye. You know, we can only finish in one way, can't we? Go on. I think it just goes in a loop. Take care. See you later. Bye. <laughs>